Hey guys, welcome to another Sound Guy Tips episode. This episode, I'm going to be doing uh, a day in the life. I just picked uh, a day that stood out like crazy to me, and I'm just going to talk you through the entire day front to back and share any tips or insights that, you know, that really comes out of it. So let's just get it going. Welcome to Sound Guy Tips. I've created this show because I am dedicated to sharing as much knowledge as I can about the world of live sound. Listen, getting into the world of live audio can certainly be intimidating, but I'm here to teach you the technical aspects, key mindsets, and how to thrive socially to stay on top of call lists, land an awesome house gig, or get yourself on retainer with a great touring band. So this is Sound Guy Tips. Now can we cut this music out? Oh man, I'm sick of all this inspirational crap. There we go, that's better. Hey, my name's Jonah Kay. Welcome to Sound Guy Tips Podcast. Now, so far, I've done one episode that kind of had a story base of just sharing, kind of getting through a day where I had no idea what was going on. And uh, I've had an interview with Chase where he describes, you know, multiple things that can come out of nowhere. But I'm going to tell you about a specific day that took place uh, about a year ago, maybe 14 months ago. And it was it just really stood out to me because of how much I had to endure that day and the energy you need to be able like to survive be doing this work. It really comes from a different place, you know. It's really it's not like just going to work. It's it's just how you live. So I'm just gonna get into the story and and see where it takes us. It was early in June. So, I don't know, probably the first week of June. So, it's pretty nice weather. So, the day starts off. I got to get up at 4.30 a.m. for a 5 o'clock shop call because I'm driving a stage line um, to go do a setup. So, get to the shop at 5, hook up the stage, and I'm driving an SL100, which is attached to a pickup truck as a fifth wheel. So you can go look up SL100 if you want to see the size of it, if you're not familiar. Um, So, I mean, the the way I got this job in the first place, doing this type of stuff, was just by, you know, accepting opportunities in the past. Like, I think I can kind of trace it back to doing... I was at a Sennheiser uh, seminar for how to control and and run wireless mics better. Just anything to do with uh, RF. And I got a call from or an email from the production company being like, hey, uh, can you go to Dorchester this weekend, which is about a 50 minute, 45 minute drive away and spend three days there. I want you to drive a stage line there and do the training because another production company uh, had something wrong with their stage line or whatever and they couldn't use it and they had their team already booked for stage line training for the certification so that means a guy from you know all the stage line guys are from montreal so that means they had a guy from montreal booked who was going to come and certify them and they couldn't cancel 
So I was like, okay, let me just quick check here. Let me just clear my whole weekend, I guess, or whatever. You know, if I had personal plans, I'm like, well, no, I would rather go do this and then I'll have my stage line certification. So, I mean, it's just totally random. You know, a lot of the times it's like if you just are there and put yourself out there, you're going to, they'll just, you'll just randomly be asked to do stuff like that. So after I got my SL100 training, then I started getting more and more stage calls and more work out of it. So this is one of those days. So again, 5 a.m., hooking up the stage. I've got to drive it about an hour and 20 minutes into some random small community park in Toronto uh, so I can start a setup at 7 a.m. Now, this is another thing to understand is that a lot of times you have to go places you've never been before. Like it might take you a few years uh, of cycling jobs uh, and on different audio jobs for production companies to really get familiar with like all the different places where events happen. So most of the time you're just going in there blind. Okay. So I'm driving a pickup truck, towing this massive trailer into Toronto. Okay. I don't know if, if you've ever been to Toronto, but the traffic is insane. And if you don't know where you're going and you're in a car, you can just like pull into a gas station and turn around. Well, you can't really do that with a stage line. Like there's one path that you kind of have to take. You have to know the roads and get there. So anything to do with going somewhere new with a stage line, it can be, it can be intimidating. You just have to, you know, you just have to do it. So we get to the park at 7 a.m., we're doing the stage setup. Uh, it has to be done by 9 a.m. I've got a helper with me that's not super familiar with the stage line, but he was a good guy and, and he was there to help me. So it's all run by hydraulics. So two guys can set it up. And another thing that got added to that call last minute was I also had to set up a PA on the PA wings. Like I think it was three VRX aside um, and a power amp underneath the stage. So instead of sending a truck, they stuffed all the speakers in the back seat of the pickup truck with the with the amp sleeve. And so I'm I'm setting that up and it was an amp I was not 100% familiar with, but I had used before. And I ended up I think I I think I ended up sending less I think I jumped three of them together instead of doing two lines and one single, which would have been the correct way to send enough power to them. I mean, basically, I was underpowering them by doing it this way, which was, you know, my mistake. But it was kind of gear that just got thrown into the mix, like right at the last minute being like, oh, yeah, by the way, you have to set up this PA, too. So that, you know, I didn't directly get in trouble for having that for doing that wrong, but I definitely secondhand kind of got, Oh, you kind of, you kind of did that wrong. eh? And they, they called and were kind of mad about it. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I, I didn't really know a hundred percent what I was doing. And I had set stuff up like that before. And I thought that was going to be, you know, I was sending signal to it and it was going to be okay. But I mean, that's another tip, I guess, is to really know 100% what your responsibility is at any given time and follow through with it properly. Like I thought my responsibility was getting the stage set up and driving away. So when they added the PA in, I set up the stage, I put the PA speakers on the stage and raised it up 
and connected the cables and connected to the power amp. And then I was like, all right, well, see you later. Like, there's your stuff, right? And I didn't know, like, was I supposed to wait until they had their sound gear hooked up and tested it to make sure that it worked properly? And then if it didn't work properly, was it my job to fix the way the power amp was set up? I didn't know any of that stuff. I just, so what I ended up doing is setting it up, having it done. And then I think it was maybe, you know, 830 in the morning by that point. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll see you guys later. Cause what was I going to wait like another like hour and a half for them to even come close to being ready to test that stuff. You know, I didn't, I didn't think that was, I'm, I'm in Toronto and it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Wait? I don't know. Anyways. So I just left ended up being not that big a deal, but lesson learned. So I drive home probably close to noon by this point. So I'm getting some lunch. I get a call from Paul and it happened to be that there was a beer order coming in that day that he couldn't make uh, for whatever, whatever came up, he couldn't get there. So I drive over the venue, open up the doors and wait for the beer guys to get there. And then also I think somebody was scheduled for a tour of the venue. So now I'm now I you know I get the beer order in and somebody comes in who's wanting to do an event there and I just quickly show them around for 15 minutes and answer a couple of questions like simple stuff but it's still just like you know out of nowhere. Okay, yeah, you got to go do that. No problem. I can take care of it. If I'm available, I'll do it. Okay? So the next thing I had to do was I had a loadout call at 4 p.m., I believe, like later in the afternoon. And this one was going to be just in my car because it was only going to be a handful of speakers and some amps and a soundboard and enough that I could fit in the back of my car. Go Matrix. So I drive from Kitchener to Guelph, which is about, you know, a 30 minute drive to a random school I've never been to. So again, just find somewhere you've never been to, to an event. I have no idea what the event is or what's going on. So I, you know, I've never been to the school. So I park, I'm looking around. I, you know, I try a couple doors. They're not open. I walk around, I go in, there's like a, there's a reception table sort of, and people are kind of just milling about and I'm like, um, okay, is there an event here? Like, I don't know what's going on. Next thing I know, I see all these people all oiled up in orange because it was some type of bodybuilding competition. And I'm, I'm asking people at the desk, Hey, yeah, I'm just from uh, the company here that's supposed to be loading out gear. Do you know like where it is? Like, uh, this is kind of a, I just, I always, I always say stuff like, Oh, I just got added to this today because somebody couldn't make it. So, uh, you know, I didn't really get any information just to like maybe cover the company and myself. So I don't, or neither of us seem like we're dropping the ball there. So, you know, everybody's usually pretty nice. You just got to be super friendly. Um, and I go, okay, I'm just walking around. Okay. I find the room where they're doing, uh, this bodybuilding, this, uh, you know, this bodybuilding competition where they, they all stand up there and flex or whatever they're doing. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm looking around and the audience is full of people and they're still going and I'm like, wow, it sure doesn't look like any of this is ready to get loaded into my car at the loadout call time, dot, 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 question mark. 
So I'm calling and texting people from the company trying to figure out who knows what the event is, who knows when it's supposed to be over and just any information. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting kind of pressed for time at this point. And the reason is I'm supposed to be meeting Jake, a.k.a. Kill the Noise, who's uh, like an EDM dubstep DJ. Uh, he's flying in from Toronto and he's performing at a local uh, EDM festival uh, ever after in Kitchener Waterloo. So I'm supposed to meet him at the hotel at a certain time so we can go down to the event and and, you know, get that thing going. I thought. If I go there and load this stuff out and bring it back to the shop, I would have like, you know, probably an hour to spare. So now I'm just pacing around waiting. I'm like, I'm supposed to take this gear. I don't know what's going on. Finally, I get confirmation that the event's not going to be over for probably another two hours. So I'm like, okay, that's that's not going to happen. So I, fi- I get a hold of somebody at the company and I'm like, yeah, so the loadout's probably more like 7 p.m., not 4 p.m. So I'm I'm leaving like I'm out of here. So I drive to the hotel where all the artists are staying and he's landed in Toronto. He's texting me. I've made it. Um, and it's like two hours away from his showtime. So he literally landed and I'm like, dude, I hope the traffic's OK, because like you never know how long it's going to actually take to get from the airport into K- KW at like 5 p.m. It's crazy. I can't believe he did it. So he gets to the hotel, checks in, and we immediately get in an Escalade limo that drives us down to the festival grounds because there's probably about 20,000 people there and there's no parking anywhere. So they're shuttling artists from the hotel, which is about 10 minutes away, down to the festival grounds. So we get there, get our artist pass. There's like 45 minutes before his set now. Like, I can't believe this timing is happening. Like, I'm just like, what is going on? You get backstage, there's a full oxygen bar and massage area and open bar, full buffet, artist tent, artist village. Like, I'm like, this is insane. Like, what in the fuck is going on right now? So this is kind of a special performance because he just launched a song that I performed on with him. I've been collaborating with him over the last four or five years, uh, periodically giving him guitar tracks to, to throw in his stuff. And I had recorded some original uh, melody stuff, which was a part of this song. And he was just released it, so he's going to be playing it last um, for his set. And it was with uh, another DJ, Snails. And this song was actually going to be the first song that launched on the like Slugs record label. Like Snails released a, a new record label, and this was going to be the first track. So this is the show where they were really dropping it uh, after it's been released. So pretty cool to say the least. So let's just review for a second. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning. It's now about 7 p.m. So I've went to Toronto, set up a stage. I went to the venue, um, did a little bit of stuff there. And then I went to Guelph for a loadout that ended up not happening. And now I'm backstage at a huge festival. And now I'm on stage for his set in front of about 15,000 people on... uh, Now I'm on another stage line. Of course, I'm like, oh, look at how big this stage is. There's video walls everywhere and the rigging must be crazy. Like Now I'm standing on a a 555 stage line, which is massive, and it takes like two days to set up. 
So I'm up there. There's pyro. There's nitrous cannons firing off. There's shit going crazy. The audience is so loud. It's just insane. So he gets to the end of his set and he releases the song, which is called Shake the Ground, by the way. Shake the Ground. Yeah, just go look that up. And I get to go up there and I'm up on the DJ riser with a wireless mic doing doing the vocals for it. Just just taunting the crowd and just like being a part of the show uh, just for that last song there. And I'm just like, this is insane. I can't even believe this is happening right now. But you better believe it because my day's not even over yet. So the show finishes. We're like, yay, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm backstage. He's introducing me to all these different DJs that all these people like would kill to meet and i'm just like oh hey it's feed me oh yeah it's just some guy wearing some glasses drinking a beer over there and here's this guy and that guy and literally people are like throwing beer at me and trying to get me to do drugs like i'm not even kidding and i'm like no actually i got to go like i got to go to work so i literally walk back out the gate flag one of the guys get in my own Escalade limo. They drive me back to the hotel. I get in my car, drive back over to the shop, get in the pickup truck. And now guess what I have to do? I got to drive back to Toronto and take down the stage that I set up that morning. So I don't know what time it is now, maybe 10 PM. I'm arriving. I start tearing the stage down. It all went fine. You know, it's dark at this point. I'm tearing down a stage in the middle of a field, uh, fairly in the dark. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of just taking it down is a lot easier than setting it up in my eyes. So, they, you know, we get it down. It's probably like, I don't know, midnight by this point. So we drive it back, a nice long hour and 20-minute drive, roughly. Uh, you know, at this point in time, the traffic's not too bad, so I'm okay with it. So I parked the stage and then Jake's texting me because they're going to an after party. So I head uptown Waterloo uh, to a club where all the DJs are there having an after party. So I'm like, well, why the hell not? You know, I've already been up this long. So I go to the club. These guys are insane. They're just off the wall having their own party. They're DJing at this club. I mean, it's not even my scene. Like I'm a metal guy. Like I play instruments and do you know, I don't know. I just like metal music more, but you know, this stuff is still pretty heavy and all of them are pretty nice guys. So there's no reason to not go and hang out with them. Nothing really eventful other than that happened at that point. But, you know, I'm like, okay, it's probably, it's like one thirty, one forty-five, two in the morning. I got to go home. Cause guess what? I have an 8am call doing something else the next day. Because when you take jobs like a a month or six weeks in advance, you go, oh yeah, I have that loadout the night before, but I probably won't do much that day. So I shouldn't be too tired. (laughs) Oh my God. That's never true. So, you know, stuff can really pile up quick. So, you know, it's good to try and map out what you actually agree to do and what you're capable of following through with. The energy I had that day to keep going must have just been from too much excitement or just wanting to see if I could actually do all that stuff. Like, I got up at four in the morning, I drove to Toronto, I set up a stage, I had to go to the venue at lunch and sort out some details. I had to do a loadout call in Guelph at 4 p.m. Then I had to go 
and do a festival and perform on stage for 15,000 people. Then I had to go back to the shop, drive back to Toronto, take down the stage, drop it off. And then I went to an after party. Okay, that was my day. And I just want to say, sometimes I see these posts on Facebook of people being like, oh, I just had to work two 12-hour days in a row. Hashtag, I'm so dead. Ha! Get a life. These just, <laughs> just crack me up so much. Anyway, I'll see you guys on the next episode.